as they're heading out for the very last night of the story. They can find out how that story ends, unless my daughter's already told them how it ends. <laughs> my wife said she'll ask a question, and Riley will answer the question really quickly. Uh, she said the other day, she said, is there a tiger? And Riley said, there is a tiger. <laughs> and that's the problem when they hear the story more than once. They know the end of it. So my wife tries to uh, put new stories in there, but then the kids wanted to do this one again. So that's kind of the way it works down there. I, I've actually never, obviously, I've never heard my wife do a, a children's meeting, but apparently they're good because the kids want to come back, those kind of things. So anyway, uh, I'm so glad to have met you all and have been able to come to this church um, in the middle of nowhere uh, of Illinois. Um, and there's a lot of wind, that, that is for sure, but today was a pretty calm day, and the weather looks like it's going to be pretty nice next week, so um, we'll miss the good weather. And But I think we're close enough that we're going to have some good weather as well where we are. But you just keep us in mind. You've got our prayer card, and, and there's a couple still left out there. And pray for us. Put it on your fridge so at least the men will see us three four times a day. Um, even if it is all in the evening. Um, but yeah, pray for us, and uh, we'll keep you in prayer as well. And we're, again, we're thankful to be here and have met you all. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I appreciate your pastor and his heart for ministry. To be faithful in one place for over 25 years is, is, a, is a tremendous benefit and blessing to you all. Um, there are a lot of guys who just want to go to the next place, and, 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 and maybe you could say that about me, but I don't pastor a church. It's kind of my job to go to the next place, but there are some guys that are always looking for bigger or better or different or something, and, and you obviously have a pastor that's not looking for that. He's looking to be faithful to God, and really our message tonight is around that theme of being faithful, Second uh, Timothy chapter 3 is, is again where we're going to be. Uh, as we travel, some trips are longer than others. This obviously is a short trip. It's, it's the second shortest trip I think I've ever had between two churches. This spring, I started in Pennsylvania, and the next Sunday I was in San Antonio, and the next Sunday we were in Cheyenne, Wyoming, and the next Sunday we were in Reno, Nevada. And then in the next 10 days, well, the next four days, we drove to Nashville, flew to Portland, Oregon, because after the week of Oregon, we had to fly back to Nashville and get to Connecticut. So there are some trips longer than others. And when you are driving those trips, last spring, I think we drove from Wisconsin all the way home to North Carolina. We started at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, because why not, and drove till, oh, I think it was 6 o'clock or noon the next day. 6 o'clock in the morning or noon the next day. We did that twice in six months. We drove from Iowa home or Wisconsin home. Sometimes you just have to do it. It's quicker at night when the kids are sleeping. They don't have to go to the bathroom, and they're not hungry as near as often. Uh, but it's still brutal. And my, my wife talked about doing that next week, driving from St. Louis home in the night. But I said, either way, you know, it's not going to make a whole lot of difference because half the day is going to be wasted anyway when you get there, and you don't feel good. And so we said, we'll just, we'll just get up early and leave. Um, that'll be the first night we'll have spent at home in eight weeks. And so my wife and I are looking forward to that. The kids are looking forward to that. And then we'd leave Saturday. But the point is, is on those trips, there are some times you just don't want to be driving anymore. You don't want to be in a van anymore. But you know if you stop, you know if you quit, 
you're, you're not going to get to your destination. Uh, when I was growing up, we went to Colorado for a family vacation at, with, a, with a church, and there was a camp that we stayed at. And on Thursday, we went up to the top of the mountain, and those that wanted to hike it could. And we hiked for six hours. We left at six in the morning, took a bag lunch, and we, it was about 11 or 12. And they said, well, you're now at the bottom of the mountain. And I thought, well, what have I been doing for, for the last six hours? Because it seems like we've been hiking uphill the whole time. And it was, but it was the foothills. And we got there. And I'll tell you, it was a different story. At that point, it went from steep to really steep. And we had to zigzag up the mountain because you could reach out and grab somebody's ankles because they were that, they were that much higher than you, that close uh, away from you. And then we got past tree line. It was over 13,000 feet, this mountain. And we got past tree line. It was hard to breathe. There were times that I felt like quitting. There was times that I, but I didn't want to because I knew if I quit, I, I couldn't say that I got to the top. And I wouldn't have that accomplishment and the view from the top. And the Lord tells us, Jesus tells us that God can one day say to us and may one day say to us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And he didn't ask us to be accomplished, although we want to accomplish some things. He didn't ask us to, to have accolades or acclaim from man. But he does ask us to be faithful, to continue. And there's an amazing thought about that, that Jesus gives us that. That is from the mouth of the Son of God. Not that it is more important than anything else that is said, but if you think about it, God is telling us that he wants to tell us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Isn't it amazing that God wants to tell you that? And so he's giving you that as, as a very minimal, in one sense, reward, but what a thing for God to say about your life. Good job. Good job. You, you, even though you might feel like you didn't do a whole lot or whatever, that you can be told you were faithful, and that's what God's asking for. And Paul is writing to Timothy. Timothy, he's one of his trainees, if you will, that he's left in Ephesus to pastor that church, and he's writing to him, and he's giving him instruction. And we come to chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 1. He says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort they are, which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came at me, came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And this, I believe, is the key verse of the text. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, 
knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And we'll repeat that, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. I think what he's saying here is, and I'm going to rephrase it without doing injustice to the text, is don't quit. Timothy, don't quit. There, there, are, there are going to be some tough times. And so that's the first thing is he's saying, continue, don't quit through your difficulties because there will be difficulties. There will be perilous times in the last days. Well, we're in the last days, and are there not perilous times? It, it's an unstated fact, but today is the worst time in all of world history for, for Christian persecution. There are more Christians today that are being killed for their faith on this planet than at any time in world history. It's just not talked about. It's not something that CNN is going to get ratings for. It's not something that Fox News even cares about because it, you, you can't see that. You don't feel that. It doesn't help them in their bottom line. But it's true. And often because we don't see something, we don't think that it exists or it, it, it doesn't affect me. But those are real people in real places having real pain and real persecution because of what they believe. And to think that that can't come to our country is, is, is blind. And I'm not saying that it will. I'm not, a, I'm not a pessimist at all. But to say that it could not come or will not come is, is short-sighted. It's a very good possibility that it does come. And he says, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And there's all different kinds of persecution. We face a pressure in our country that may not be a physical pressure, but it is a social pressure. It's a pressure that says to you, uh, don't say what you really think. Don't say what you really believe because you'll get canceled or, or someone will speak out against you. Now, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you that Facebook is not the place uh, to preach. It's not. It was not created for that. And you can say the right thing in the right way at the right time on Facebook, and you're going to get it right back in your face. And because and, and, that's not what people are looking for there, and people are willing to say and do many despicable things in, in the name of being right on that. And so it's not really the, it's not really the place. If we're going to say something to somebody, it should be in love to them and not necessarily in, in text. It cannot, it cannot convey as well as maybe we'd like it to. But there is going to be difficulties. He says perilous times, and he lists some of these things because, because of people. People are the same everywhere, but these people, lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. That's the list. And, you know, we could look at just the, our, our governmental leaders, and that's them. That's them. But all around us, men are lovers of their own selves, willing to do anything to help themselves out. There are perilous people, we could put it that way, people that persecute. He talks about Janus and Jambres in verse 8 that withstood Moses. These are the men that when, when uh, Moses went to Pharaoh to ask Pharaoh, let God's people go so that they may worship, these are the men that also cast down their rods and they also became snakes. I don't know that there's enough said about that because what a tremendous uh, thing that was. I mean, that, that was real evil power taking form in front of them. But remember, Moses' rod ate up both of their snakes. I, I've often wondered what they thought when Moses picked his rod back up, that snake, and their rods didn't come back. <laughs> you know, they, they were inside the, his rod or whatever. I'm not sure how that all happened. But here, here he's saying is there are evil people out there with evil power. Don't be surprised if they withstand you. Don't be surprised if people say evil things against you. But don't let that hinder you 
from doing what you know. He says, remember, I've been through these things too, and it's okay. It's okay. You, you can get over that. And there's also something that is tucked away in the Corinthians where he says that, uh, that our, our light affliction that endureth for a little time is, is not to be compared with the glory that will be revealed. And this is the same Paul who says, I've seen things that are there that I'm not allowed to tell you about. So he has seen both sides. He has seen the affliction being stoned almost to death. He has seen the, the beatings, but he's saying this, doesn't, this is light. This is light. It doesn't compare with the glory that shall be revealed. And so he's saying, Timothy, trust me on this. You know because you've seen the scars in my body. You've, you know the things that I've gone through in these different places. And it's going to be okay. There will be perilous times. There will be perilous people. There will be persecution. And sometimes that's, that's from within. Sometimes it's from yourself that you feel that. You feel like, man, I, I want to be faithful. But you know what? Even when we're not faithful, God is more faithful to us. He tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. And that he'll cast those sins behind his back, that he chooses to remember them no more because he doesn't want to hold that against us. There's not a person that can stand before God and say, I am sinless. But that's not what God is going to remember if we've confessed those sins. And that's why he can say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We just have to be faithful in confessing. We have to be faithful in our growth doing the best that we can to follow the Lord, the best that we can through his word, through the power of the Holy Spirit, taking the step that God puts in front of us. God will put a step of faith in front of us, and it might be difficult. It might be through difficult things. What, takes, what does it take to make a hero? What does it take to make a hero? Now, today, there's all kinds of different things that people show about superheroes. And to be a superhero, you have to have a superpower. Right? You have to have some superpower. Now, I would say that uh, most of you would agree with me that probably the greatest superhero would be Superman because there's not much that he couldn't do. In fact, there was a time that he could do so many things that they had to create. That's why they created kryptonite because it was becoming, oh, okay, whatever. It's, it's too unbelievable. He has no, no weakness. And so they realized we've got to give some limitations to him to make this uh, a challenge for people, make this something with some conflict and some tension that they like to see. And so that's why that was created for him. But when we think of that, uh, it's not just that you have a superpower. Obviously, we don't have a superpower. But to be a hero, you have to do something good through difficulty. Doing something good through difficulty. Now, I, I believe that this word hero has been abused in our culture. It's been used as a tool to manipulate people into certain behaviors because it's not too long where certain groups of people that were once heroes are then hated. I don't know if you've noticed that, but it wasn't long ago that the police, oh, they're heroes, they're heroes. And I don't know, maybe they were doing something that fit the, uh, fit the motif, but uh, all of a sudden they're not the heroes anymore and we don't even want to fund them anymore. And I'm not mean to be political, but we have to be careful that we're not letting the culture dictate our behavior based upon what somebody will say about us. But I do think we have heroes among us. I think those that go and fight for our freedom overseas uh, and fight for the freedom of others, which I think is completely legitimate, uh, that's heroic. That They're willing to take the prime of their life 
willing to put their life on the line, maybe their limbs on the line. That's heroic. There's no doubt about that. But I always think, when I think hero, I think of 9-11. Specifically, those firemen uh, that went to the World Trade Centers. There was actually a documentary that had started on that very day to film a certain fire department in New York City. And I think by providence of God, happened to be the closest fire department to those World Trade Centers. And so they were headed out of the doors when the plane struck the tower. And so most of it was caught right there on camera. And they said, he said, well, I knew right away, the guy doing the documentary, that what I had planned on being a documentary was no longer the documentary. We were just going to go along and find out what was going on. And, and so those firemen literally were still going up the towers when the, tower, the one tower came down, knowing that the other one probably would come down. But yet they said, in order to help people down, we're going to go up. And, and I think that, that is unbelievable act of heroism to say, yeah, I'm probably going to die, but I'm going to help somebody to maybe live. I'm going to help them in some way. That, that's heroic. Look, we can be like a hero in that we can do difficult things, go through difficult things for the right reasons, that we can be faithful. Our faithfulness speaks to many others. As Paul spoke to Timothy, can you imagine being Timothy? And thinking, yeah, I was there when, when uh, they let him down from the, from the wall in a basket. He was escaping the persecution. And I was there when we, we thought he was dead. And, and here he is alive. And, and we thought that he was gone. And, and here he is. And, and, and it never slows him down. He just keeps going. And you can look at somebody like that and say, you know, if he can keep going, I can keep going. If he can go one day at a time, then I can go one day at a time. That I can be faithful through those things. But then verse 14 again, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. Verse 15, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration for, of God and is profitable for doctrine. I could say it this way, continue in the doctrine. Continue in the things that you've been taught, the things that you have learned. Paul says, I have been teaching you Continue in those things, and as you have the Scripture, continue to study. As Paul had told him, to, to study, to show thyself an approved workman. It doesn't need to be ashamed so that you can rightly divide the word of truth. And that's what we all ought to be doing. This isn't just for pastors. This is for all of us as Christians that we need to be studying the word of God. It, it, is, it is the treasure that keeps on giving. That I don't, I don't have to go out and look for more Scripture but the deeper I dig in Scripture, the, the more I'm finding. I've really enjoyed, the, this. I said a little bit last night about this book that I'm reading on Leviticus, and I'll tell you, there's a lot that's over my head, but there's a lot in there that I'm saying, wow, I, I just never saw that before, and, and it's opening my eyes. And, and even though it is a difficult book to read, I, I find that I'm compelled to go back and read more. I'm, I'm compelled to say, ooh, I want to see what other things that I have never noticed before that someone else, because they have dug, has helped me, you know, and I can sift through their, uh, their diggings. And, and we need to be doing that. We need to say, Pastor, can you recommend me a book on, I don't know, the book of, the book of 2 Corinthians? I don't understand it well enough, Pastor. Do you, have a, do you have a book on yourself that can help me? You know what? He would be glad to at least point you in the direction of Amazon and which book to buy, if not allow you to borrow it. I know how that works. Sometimes you lend a book out and you never see it back. But we need to continue in the doctrine. 
And with that, continue in the decisions that you've made based upon that doctrine. So you've made decisions, whether it's been this week or whether it's been in the past or years ago. It bothers me when kids get back from camp sometimes and somebody in the church says, well, we'll see if this is a camp decision or not. You know, the camp didn't make any decision. <laughs> the camp did. And the decision didn't do anything active. It's the teenager that made the decision. And I have found that when I was a teenager, it wasn't the decision that didn't stick to me. It was me that didn't stick to the decision. And this, the truth is for us. It's not a revival emotional decision. If you made a decision, stick to it. Stick with it. You know, part of that is, is just godly discipline. This is what God wants me to do. You know, there was a time that I, that I thought uh, somebody gave an illustration, and, and forgive me if, if, Pastor, if you've given this as an illustration, but it had that, that idea of uh, the Holy Spirit coming to, to empower you, and it's as if uh, a hand is in a glove, and that glove can't do anything without the hand. And, and I remember thinking about that decision saying, okay, well, in the morning, we'll see if I just get out of bed and start reading my Bible. You know, that doesn't happen. I had to rely on God to help me to understand and maybe have the strength to wake up, but at the same time, I had to get out of bed. And I had to get my Bible open, and I had to move my eyes and read those words. Now, it's the Holy Spirit that helps me to understand the Word of God, but I had to do some things on my own. I had to have the discipline to do those things, and so do you, to stick to those decisions. To continue means three simple things. Now, there may be more, but this is what I've come up with. It's don't stop. That makes sense, right? Don't stop. Don't just say, you know what, this is tough. I quit. Because when you quit, you never accomplish it. Somebody said, whenever you quit, you've always quit too soon. You, you never know what's around the next corner. You never know what blessing God is going to give. Uh, if thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. We learn in Proverbs. The just man falls seven times and rises up again. Just because you fell is not an excuse to quit. So don't stop because it's difficult. But it also means don't stay. I can rephrase that. Don't maintain. Don't stay where you are and say, well, I'm pretty good spiritually, okay? When we say something like that, it's probably because we're measuring ourselves against our former self or we're measuring ourselves against someone else that's around us. And that's not what God is going to judge you by. He's going to judge you by the standard that he has set for your life, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so don't maintain. Don't say, well, I'm good where I am. <laughs> Maybe you do read your Bible every day. Add something to that. Add some deeper study. Add a second time. I am challenged by the book of Joshua chapter 1 where he says to observe day and night, to meditate therein day and night. It's the same thing that is told, told us in Psalm chapter 1, that not only in Joshua to have good success that we, shall, that we should um, or prosper to, to meditate day and night, but in Psalm 1 to have good success and to be like that tree that's planted by the waters, that, that brings forth its fruit in its season, that whatsoever it do it shall prosper. Meditate day and night, both day and night. Now, I can understand that maybe what it is referring to is as long as you're awake, be, be meditating on the Word of God. And, and that doesn't mean that you have to carry a Bible with you and while you're driving down the road, you're reading words. But there's all kinds of ways that we can meditate on Scripture when it comes to mind or have a memorization card that you're working on a verse or you're just working on meditating it and you're just mulling on that. But I don't think it would hurt. In fact, I know it wouldn't hurt if you read your Bible more than one time a day. I, I've heard of a preacher that um, 
decided that he was going to read his Bible seven times in a year. And so that works out to around 23 or 24 chapters a day. That's, that's quite a bit. But he accomplished it and said that one of his most fruitful years of ministry was when he did that. And I've heard of people trying it that'll say, you know, there's things I had to get done during that day, and, and I wasn't sure how I was going to do it, but I promised the Lord I was going to do this. And so in doing that, uh, somebody would come to me and say, hey, I took care of this for you. Or uh, you need to go meet somebody, and they'd meet you along the path and say, hey, uh, um, you just happened to stumble along them. And how, what can you say other than the Lord ordered that? You give to the Lord, and the Lord gives back. But God's promises are true, and we're in the word of God that he will bless us. But don't maintain. I like what Paul said. I have not attained either. We're already perfect. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and pressing forth to the things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize. And he's written scripture. He's planted churches. He's trained young men and left them to pastor these churches. And, and he is saying, I'm not going to maintain the status quo. I, uh, people might look to me as some leader, but, but no, God has something more for me, and I want to attain unto that, and so I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to maintain, but it also means don't stray. Don't stray. We have to be careful that we don't, we don't uh, fall after the distractions of life, because there are a lot. It can be a career for someone. It can be a relationship. For somebody else, it can be a pursuit, a goal. I, I, I want to save up for this car, and so everything is... Is, is in uh, all that attention is in that car, some project or some situation of life that we can get wrapped up in the specifics of that thing. It could be a health issue that we have. That we focus on that rather than our focus being to continue. Continue in the things of God. Don't stray with the distractions. Paul, talking about at the end of his, or yeah, talking about all the things that he had gone through, the, the persecutions and the painful things, he said, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, that I might finish my course with joy. He's like, I don't care about these things anymore. I'm not going to let them affect my life. Why? So that I can finish my course with joy. I want to finish my course with joy. I want to be like Paul in a, a, a chapter later saying, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. He knew what God was going to have for him because he said, I've done everything that God has wanted me to do, and I, I can see that my time is, is coming to a close here soon. But don't stray. Don't be distracted by those temptations. Don't be distracted by those other people. Don't be distracted by uh, whatever thing that the devil's going to throw in your face. Say, no, 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 I'm going to keep going. I'm going to continue in the doctrine. I'm going to continue through the difficulties and continue because we have a difference maker. Verse 15. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We have a difference maker. We're not just doing this in our own strength, just hoping that we're going to make it through to the end of our lives, but we have something that is, that is special, and that is the Word of God. I think that we like watching sports for the competitive aspect of it. You know, it's our team, and, and everybody likes an underdog story, but 
I, I think that most, if not all of us, also like to watch sports for that one player that comes along in a generation or maybe less than a generation that is a difference maker. And we all hope that there is another guy coming on the scene that can be that spectacular. The guy that can put uh, the team on their shoulders, as it were, the, the guy that can impose his will on everything going on in the field or, or on the court. And, and those things, those are fun to watch. And, and I realize that some of the, some of the guys that we, we might uh, celebrate in that way are, are often not good people. But I remember, I, I am a fan of golf, and golf is not fun to watch, but I felt like Tiger Woods was fun to watch. Some of the things that he had the ability to do, shots that people would say, uh, if he pulls this off, you know, nobody, nobody does this. Nobody thinks about this, and yet he would do that and make putts that people would say, that there's just no way. I, I've seen some that they play over and over, and the, the spectator, the, the commentators are just speechless. Um, Jack Nicholas for a long time, was considered to be the greatest golfer of all time. There was a shot that he made, uh, that uh, Tiger Woods made, and Jack Nicholas said, people do not realize how difficult a shot that was. He said, if he missed it one way, he was in the water. If he missed it inches the other way, he wasn't going to get close. But he made the, the chip-in shot, just an unbelievable shot. And I realize I'm picturing it in my mind, and you're not. But you have those situations. I remember in, in, in Indiana, uh, almost everybody in the church was a Colts fan. Just where we lived, and that's the way it was. And because of uh, Eastern time zone and when the games start and those things, often uh, people would come to church and, and the game would either be going on or be finished. But either way, there was a particular family that was notorious for doing the same thing. And we would be, I'd say we, the Colts would be down two touchdowns in the fourth quarter and they'd turn the TV off. And for the life of me, I could never understand why you do that when you have a quarterback like Peyton Manning. Because Peyton Manning is the kind of guy that it didn't matter what time was left on the clock. It didn't matter how many scores he was down. That he could make it happen. You know, he could do those kind of things. And, and, and they would come, and they'd be all down in the mouth during choir practice. And somebody would say, well, why, did you see that game? Wasn't that amazing? And I said, well, we saw it, but it was terrible. What are you talking about? You know? And they said, well, we turned the game off. We were down a couple touchdowns. And they said, well, you missed the end of the game. It was incredible. All those kind of things. We like watching the difference makers. We like watching that. We have a difference maker that never fails. You know, Michael Jordan missed a lot of game-winning shots. We don't remember those. We remember the ones that he made. Uh, Peyton Manning lost a lot of close games. We don't remember those. We, missed, we remember the ones that, uh, for our team that, that, was, that were won, but the Word of God has never failed. We sometimes fail the Word of God, but the Word of God has never failed. And, and so he's closing this chapter out, saying, Timothy, continue in the things that you've learned, knowing that not just of whom you've learned them, but where you've learned them. They're from the Word of God. And it never fails. And God has given it to us that even as a child, we can understand that we can be saved. It's, a, it, it, it's as simple that little children can understand it, yet it's so deep that men that have studied it their entire lives don't understand everything about it. It is profitable for doctrine. It is profitable for reproof, to tell us when we're wrong, but also for correction, to show us how to live right, for instruction in righteousness, to continue on. And exactly what he's saying, so that, and people say you can't be perfect, so that the man of God may be perfect. Now that's God's words, and I understand that means whole and complete. But God wants to look at us as whole and complete. And so he's given us the Holy Spirit 
He's given us his word to make us that way. And so he's telling us here, stay in these things. Continue on. Don't quit. I'm not asking you to make sure that you build your church in Ephesus to 6,000 people, 600 people, or 60 people. But stay in the word. Continue on. I'm not asking you to have your, your name and your messages, Timothy, written in some publication somewhere. No, just continue in the things that you've learned. There are going to be difficult times, but don't let that distract you. Continue on in those things. And that's what God wants for all of you, is to continue on in the things that you, decisions that you've made for God. Don't stop. Don't quit. Just keep going. With your heads bowed and eyes closed. I hope that you can say at the end of your life that you fought a good fight, that you finished your course, that you've kept the faith. That's all you need to try to do is to continue on. And maybe you've been tempted to quit. Maybe you've been discouraged by the things that are going on. Or maybe you feel like, oh, I've not accomplished this or that. But God has spoken to your heart about continuing. Would you make a decision based upon that tonight? That by God's grace, that you're going to be faithful in his word that you're going to be faithful in prayer, that you're going to be faithful in sharing him with others, that you're going to be faithful in coming to this church until God calls you out in some other direction, whether it's here, there, or in the air, that you're going to be faithful to him. Lord, to the best of my ability, I'm going to be faithful to you. Would you stand to your feet? I realize we don't have a piano player night tonight to play the, a hymn of invitation, but that doesn't mean we can't have a quiet time of meditation we can't have a quiet time of decision-making to God. And so while I pray, you can pray. You can talk to God and commit that to him. Dear Father, we do thank you that your word is what we need it to be, that it is no man could have written it nor would have written it, but you have given it to us, and it is complete. It is what we need it to be in every time, whether we're down, whether we're up, whether we're in sin or whether we're living for you, it can always help us. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be faithful to your word, that you'd be faithful in reading it, studying it, memorizing it, sharing it. But I believe, Lord, that when, we're, when our lives are full of the word, that we can't help but share it with others. Lord, help us to remember to pray, to talk to you, that you have created us for that communion and we need to be speaking with you. And Lord, as we can do that, we can also do that in this place that you have set aside for us to collectively come together and to worship you and to sharpen each other, to encourage each other, to help each other. Lord, I pray that this would be a community of, of your love, a community of your grace, your forgiveness, and that shines out from here uh, because of what you're doing here and because of the love that you have. Lord, I pray that they would trust you for what you have for them, help them to be faithful to you now until their end or your end for us. Lord, I thank you for all this. I thank you for this meeting, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Jeremiah, I encourage all of you, as you uh, have heard so much truth here again,